Ooh, all right, ladies and gentlemen, lovely to be speaking to you again. It is your personal and private nutritionist, Connor Rhodes from Slim Society. Hello and lovely to be speaking to you again. We are not on YouTube or video today, which if you are listening to this makes no difference to you because obviously you're a Spotify, Google Podcasts or Apple Podcast listener, which thank you very much. We appreciate this greatly and dearly. It's lovely to be speaking to you again. It's another solo news of the week, ladies and gentlemen. I was solo last week because I love you and I am committed to this show. If the guests, especially the co-host, Will Hukin, does not turn up, I will continue. I shall continue solo. So today it's just me and you. Today, once again, Will Hukin, bless his soul. I do love him. So like I said last time, he gets away with murder. This time it's not his fault. He has a throatal itis, some sort of itis going on in his throat. I believe it's maybe tonsillitis, which okay, which okay. I mean, <laughs> there's nothing you can do about that. It's not his fault. He does have recurring throat issues over time as well. Mr. Daniel Kavanagh, he won't mind me saying, also has the COVID, as do 30,000 other people this week in the UK. He is okay though, thankfully. He is okay. This virus shall not take down my man. His immune system is red, white, and blue and it is prepared and ready for action against this threat. He shall not go down. We've been preparing for this for all of our lives, ladies and gentlemen. We take our vitamin D, we do our exercises like good boys and girls. I hope you do too. And Mr. Daniel Kavanagh is descended, the Kavanagh name, from Irish kings. And I am not even slightly exaggerating his father is, a, is an intellectual <laughs> and has done deep diving research over his entire life about their family history and they are descended from Irish kings and he shall not go down to this threat. He shall not go down. So he is um, alive and kicking and quarantining at home and doing his exercises. So obviously he can't come podcast either. So I'm here, ladies and gentlemen. It's lovely to be speaking to you again. It's news of the week. I'm actually on a bit of a short time frame and time schedule today as well as I've got a meeting coming up and then I have Brazilian jiu-jitsu training after. Self-defense martial arts, ladies and gentlemen, so that you're confident because you never know what might happen. <laughs> it's also great fun and great social. It's something that I I love and I'm, I'm glad to be doing again because I've taken a break from it for a while, to be honest, for reasons that we'll not get into because we don't have time, but now we're getting back to it. So how's your week been? <clears throat> That's my question to you. Ask yourself, how has your week been? Decent, I hope. Decent at worst, I hope. Leave me on a comment. If you can, wherever you are, you could send me a message through to my Facebook page. That's where I am most often, produce the most content there, Slim Society on Facebook. Um, you could send me a message on Instagram if you want. I put some content on Instagram. I've got exactly four followers. Um, you can comment on YouTube. Not today, you can't. You can leave us a review on iTunes. Can you review on Spotify? If you can, please leave us a review or you can go to slumsociety.co.uk and send me a message through there. Those will come straight to me, literally, and I will answer you directly. Hello, it will be me and hello, it will be you. My week has been great, thank you. Thank you for asking. I've been exercising, working, supporting my people. It's nothing out of the ordinary. It's nothing out of the ordinary. So I think then, due to time frames and not wanting to keep you too long, but thank you for tuning in once again, let's jump into some news articles of the week. I've got four news articles for you today. 
Let's go through them and let's see what's been happening in the wider world, shall we? Because as you'll remember and know, I'm sure, on this News of the Week podcast, we bring to you real news articles every single week from the wider Western world about health and fitness, health and happiness, fat loss, fitness and food, and we break them down. I call real or no real, and I tell you the real deal with what's going on in the world. This week, a new study has come out testing. This is not a joke, ladies and gentlemen. I'm really sorry to say, I'm really sorry to tell you that this is a real thing. But a new study has come out testing whether ingesting crocodile blood, that crocky bee, crocodile blood, you heard me right the first time, whether this reduced muscle soreness after training in the gym. Even if it does, I don't want it. What do you think? <laughs> I'm not into it. Have we learned nothing? Also, have we learned nothing? Is my is my first question. <laughs> I've watched Spider-Man at least twice, so I consider myself an expert on human genetic mutation and human-animal hybrids. And I just think, have we learned nothing from Spider-Man? Uh, what are we trying to produce? Have we learned nothing from the current situations and going-ons in the world? Have we learned nothing about messing with animals? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know what I'm talking about. Why are we drinking crocodile blood? And to be honest, I hope they were drinking crocodile blood because what are the other options? Injecting it, is that better? God, I'm not sure. <laughs> is, that, is that better? What would you prefer? Leave it a comment. <laughs> would you prefer to be injected with crocodile blood or drink it? I'd rather drink it, <laughs> to be honest, I think. Oh my Lord. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? I'm sorry to say that that's real. I'm sorry to say that that's real. I don't know what else to say about it, to be honest. Um, the study had basically no conclusions. <laughs> the, the study had basically no conclusions, Didn't, which, I mean, it's only one study, but oh, it's just a crazy world that we live in, isn't it? Maybe someone's just reaching for a PhD. <laughs> maybe, they're, maybe they are reaching for a PhD. Do you know how you get a PhD, ladies and gentlemen? You have to discover something new in your area, in your scientific area. Like if you would like a PhD in nutrition, you have to do or perform or create a new scientific study and you have to discover something new that no one knows, no one's tested before, or you have to prove something that people weren't quite sure about or something like this. And then you have to present your findings to a board of, if it was nutrition, other top nutritional scientists who've also done this before. And then they quiz you and grill you about how you've got to these findings and why you think this and what are you talking about exactly. And if they also agree after this debate, well, oh, look at you. You've discovered something new. Then that's it. You can have a PhD. And that's great. That's how we learn about new things in science and it's how the world progresses. Do you think someone sounds like they're reaching? You've got to test something that nobody's ever tested or discover something new. Do you think anybody's ever fed people crocodile blood and then put them into the gym and then see if that makes the muscle soreness go down? I don't think they have. I have never heard of this. I also sent this study to a man called Lee Bell, who has seen, has he seen every study about muscles and muscle building and gym training? He might have, he might have. He replied to me on Facebook, I'm going to swear, what the fuck? <laughs> he put WTF and that was it, not even a full stop. He just put WTF, he didn't even use the actual words. It's not even worth spelling out, he just hit me with an acronym. Because that's what I think too. That's what I think too. <laughs> but I hope that person, if they did get a PhD, all right then. All right then, I hope they had a good time performing that study and I had a good time talking to you about it. 
A moving on to the second point of conversation and topic, a very popular article this week. I've seen this flying around everywhere, other fitness professionals, etc., commenting on it. Um, in multiple pu publications as well, I saw it in the Daily Mail, entitled, Overeating is not the primary cause of obesity. Dun, dun, dun. All right, the dun, dun, dun's me. That's, I added that bit on. Sorry, that's not the title. The title is, Overeating is not the primary cause of obesity. <gasps> What? Then what is then? What do you think they're saying? <laughs> Anybody who says that eating too much is not the cause of obesity, which if you're a Slum Society follower or, or a follower of correct science, because that's what we teach here at Slum Society, I don't make things up, do I? I was going to swear, but I'll just... I'm being polite. I don't make things up, ladies and gentlemen. I teach you what is the agreed upon scientific consensus at this moment in time to make sure that you're getting the most scientifically sound, safest and best information. If science changes and new information comes out, which it does, like we found out something about crocodile blood this week, some weeks we find out something useful in nutrition. Some weeks we do, some weeks not, <laughs> but some weeks yes. And if we discover anything new in nutrition or something changes, like if it does turn out that the overall scientific consensus changes and calories turns out not to be the main issue or, or point or thing we should be focusing on, I'll just tell you and I'll just change too because I'm not flipping married to methods. I don't care what the best methods and tools are. I just want to use them. I care about helping people, getting them the weight loss results that they desire, helping them with their health and happiness, helping people eat better, feel better, move better. That's what I love. How we do that I don't really care that much. <laughs> That's why I've done loads of different things in this industry. That's why I was a personal trainer for 10 years. And now I do online personal training and I also have a group training program and I also do one-to-one -one, um, video calls and in-person consultations. And I've also coached a sports team and I also make podcasts like this and I also make videos and you know, just always the same industry, always the same goal, always me, always fat loss, food and fitness, always health and happiness, always nutrition and exercise, you know, always trying to help people, but in different formats. Um, so if, if anyway, getting back to the point, this article is saying uh, overeating, so too many calories, is not the cause of obesity, what do you think they're gonna say it is? What do you think they're gonna say it is? There's one other thing that sometimes a couple of people, and it's not many people, you think it's actually more people than it really is. Really, it's about five people, about 10 influencers and some of their followers say that carbohydrates or the big bad insulin or maybe sugar, oh, sugar, sugar, isn't it? People hate it. <laughs> I don't. Sugar's not bad for you, ladies and gentlemen. But some people say <gasps> sugar causes diabetes and insulin levels being too high. This is what's causing obesity. And oh, it's the carbohydrates. It's the carbohydrates. And you've heard that a thousand times, haven't you? You probably think, oh yeah, loads of people think that it's carbs that make you, I was going to say fat, but that sounds impolite, doesn't it? I don't like saying that. So I'll say overweight instead. But you know what I'm talking about. Don't you? Oh, yeah, carbohydrates. Oh, yeah, they, they make you fat. They put on weight, don't they? Not really. You know, not really. However, it's not just the Daily Mail that are saying overeating isn't the thing that makes you 
obese that causes obesity. It's flipping Dr. David Ludwig, and you know who he is? Of course I do. He's a scientist and professor of nutrition from Harvard University. Is it the best university in the world? Oh, it might be. <laughs> is he one of the top guys? Oh, he might be. Has he got the right ideas? No, he doesn't. Oh, I know, I know, he just doesn't. And you think, what? How's this guy getting it wrong when he's so intelligent? I'm not sure either. He's definitely a smarty pants. <laughs> he definitely knows a lot of things. He definitely knows about studies too and how to do them. And he's definitely seen a lot of them. Still, somehow, I'm not quite sure. I'd love to ask him, how is he still getting the wrong idea <laughs> about what's going on? So what does... Dr. David Ludwig say, he is one of the people that says, oh, it's about carbohydrates. There's also one scientist from Stanford University. <gasps> Stanford University, another top university in the world who also says, oh, he's like, oh, it's the food quality. It's the processed junk foods that are causing the obesity. I mean, yes, they are providing the most calories on average 60% of Westerners, us, calories of people's calories who live in the West come from what's classed as ultra-processed foods or junk food, basically. 60%, 60%, so 60% of everyone's calories, that's most of them, <laughs> is coming from junk food. So technically, yes, it is the junk food that's making people obese, but also technically it's not, because you can also gain weight from flipping on no junk food diets. You can also gain weight by eating too many calories of healthy food. This has been proven only one billion times. <laughs> it even happens to people at flipping Slimming World. They eat loads of healthy food. That's Slimming World's whole plan, isn't it? It's a quality improvement and control program, but not a quantity improvement and control program, really. They do have some limits on quantities and how much you can eat, but not really, doesn't it? And that does work for some people, but it also doesn't directly reduce people, some people's calorie intake enough to actually cause them to lose weight. Some people even gain at Slumming World because some people can eat a lot of food and like to eat a lot of food. And some people also have slower and lower or smaller, any or all of those metabolisms than other people. And if you have a slow or low or <coughs> metabolic issue, like polycystic ovary syndrome or thyroid issues or something like this, your metabolism might be slower than somebody else's and you might be able to eat enough healthy food quite easily. Um, to gain body weight or to stay at an overweight weight. People come to me all the time saying, oh, I eat healthy, but I'm just overweight still and I just don't get it. And then I test their metabolism and work it out for them how fast their metabolism is. And then we find out. And some people, I've got some clients, literally their metabolism is only 1,400 calories per day. If they don't exercise or <clears throat> move or do a good step count or get some calorie burn up or, in, or improve their metabolism in some way, you can build muscle, you can increase fiber intake, you can eat more protein. There's literally loads of different things you can do to boost your metabolism. If they don't do any of this, this I can think of, I'm thinking of one specific lady um, right now. Um, she's only... Somewhere between five foot and five foot two. She's tiny, little petite lady. So she can't she can't intake that many calories before she starts putting on the LBs. It's it's not fair. Literally, it's not fair. Metabolisms are not equal and they're not fair. Some people's are a lot larger and faster than other people's. Literally, some people can eat a lot more food without gaining weight than other people. This lady's metabolism, if she doesn't do anything about it, it's like 1,400 calories per day. Thankfully, she does things about it and we boost it to more like... 1,007 or 800 calories per day, which is not crazy, but she's already slim. She already lost all the weight she wanted to lose, like four stone, using the six steps to slim program. Um, 
so she's already the shape and size that she wants to be. That's one of the things that makes your metabolism smaller. It's when you are smaller. So she's already slim and she's already not tall. <clears throat> but she does work to boost her metabolism and we have been working on those habits for a while. And it is working and she's doing flipping great. But anyway, you know what I mean? Could you could you eat more than 1,400 calories of healthy food in a day? Of course you could. Don't be ridiculous. Of course you could. So she can put on weight easy. <sighs> If she doesn't use that mindful eating that I talk about and teach all the time, if she doesn't keep on top of her food and keep control over it. So anyway, back to this article, back to this article. It's a study that's come out of Harvard. It's by Dr. David Ludwig. It's saying, saying basically that carbohydrates and insulin, this is called the insulin hypothesis, if you want to Google it. You can look it up for yourself. You can look at the positives and negatives of this argument and see who's saying what if you want do it. Um, but I'll give you the lowdown anyway here, of course. It's called the insulin hypothesis, and it's the it's the hypothesis. It's considered, and it even says this in the Daily Mail article, to be fair, this is the alternate, um, it literally says the word alternate. It's the alternate model of obesity. Um, and the model suggests that insulin levels being too high, which insulin is the hormone that puts things into your cells. It's like a little key that opens doors in your cells. It lets sugars and proteins and stuff like this go into muscles. Um, and it lets <clears throat> other calories and not just carbohydrates, to be honest, everybody thinks, ooh, insulin and carbs, but no, proteins as well, not really fats. Not really fats that much. Um, fats are absorbed by different pathways not requiring insulin, which is one of the things that I'm going to mention in a minute, which is a very important point because that in its own kind of is one of the things that proves the insulin hypothesis incorrect. The fact that that is true, which it is, it's protein and carbohydrates that, reduce, uh, that um, increase insulin when you eat them, which is one of the things that's Again, that's what is confusing when people are like, oh, we want to keep insulin levels as low as possible. It's like, I mean, do you? You want to keep them managed appropriately, but if you want to keep them as low as possible, you can't eat protein or carbs. What? Then what are you going to eat? Only fats? Ridiculous. What are we on? The keto diet? I mean, you can if you want, but fucking hell, come on. <clears throat> you can't just eat nonstop fat. This has got its own negatives and you've just got low food variety and you just, you know, that just sounds crazy talk. <laughs> it's crazy talk, isn't it? So the goal is not really to keep insulin as low as possible. You need it. It's there for a reason. <clears throat> It's to get stuff from your blood into your cells. You actually need that to happen. One of the things about insulin, though, is when it's putting in, when it's putting things into your cells, when this insulin level goes up, it does stop fat loss. That is literally the way that it works. But it's not an on-off switch. This is what people think about it like. Sometimes they assume. They think, oh, a little bit of insulin. Oh, my God, I'm not losing any fat. No, no. It's more like a dimmer switch. The higher your insulin levels go, the less you'll be losing body fat on average. But it's not just like, oh, a, a tiny bit of insulin gets released because you ate a tiny bit of carbs or protein and then flipping, oh, my God, you just can't lose any fat and just fat loss just stops and turns off. No. Don't be ridiculous. Um, it's more like a sliding scale, but then people use that to then think, well, if insulin's going up and then carbs makes insulin go up on average the most, which it does, protein on average makes it up. People's insulin levels are not impacted overall as much by protein as they are by carbohydrates in the overall diet. I'll phrase it that way. Um, because it's easier to understand. People are thinking, oh, well, if insulin's going up and this is stopping fat loss and carbs is making insulin go up the most, then I need to take out carbs, don't I? I mean, kind of. <laughs> I mean, 
Kind of, that is one way you can look at it. But now the alternate points against the insulin hypothesis, because that does make sense and that is part of it, it's just not the whole story. Are we pretending that that's the only thing that makes a difference, the carbohydrates? What about those fats that I mentioned earlier? I told you I'd get back to it. What about those fats that get absorbed through different pathways? This has been proven that in biological systems, that if you remove insulin from the system, Okay, body fat in the presence of too high calories can and will still be gained through other pathways. There are other ways to gain fat that are not to do with insulin. There are other pathways, literally, these exist. It's not a secret. It's on flipping Wikipedia. <laughs> it's common knowledge. There are other ways that even if your insulin levels aren't high, you can still gain body fat. People can still gain body fat on the keto diet and it's a no carb diet or like a very, 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 very low carb diet. If you want, sorry, not calorie, carb diet, very low carb diet, if you want to get technical. <clears throat> And people can still gain body fat on the keto diet and on a low carb diet. You literally can. So that proves in and, in and of itself that it's not only about the insulin. How can it only be about the insulin? It's only about the carbs, is it? So it's not about the protein at all. That does nothing, does it, magically when it enters your system? And all those fats, you could just, what, drink loads of oil, could you? And just nothing had happened. Don't be silly. So is the insulin hypothesis and insulin and carbs part of it? Yes, it is, because they are calories and they do get absorbed into the system and it is food that's going in. But you've also got protein going in there as well and you've also got fats and sometimes you've got alcohols and stuff like this. And these are all impacting all in different ways depending on who you are and what your diet's like some could be impacting more than others you know so it's, it's not that the carbs are not affecting anything they are it's just that other things are also affecting too it's not only about the carbs that just doesn't make sense to think about it like that it's getting stuck on one point without thinking about all the rest of it um, so what should we do about this anyway ladies and gentlemen you know how I always talk about calories do you know what carbohydrates are they are calories. <laughs> so you know if you manage your calorie intake, you manage your carbohydrate intake anyway. You know what else you manage? Your protein intake and your fat intake and your alcohol intake because they're all calories, aren't they? This is why it's the master variable. It's the master variable that controls all the other variables. The carbs have calories, so does the fat, so does the protein, so does the alcohol. So if you manage the calories overall, you've already managed the carbohydrates because you managed all of it overall. You managed all of everything coming in and that's good because all of it makes a difference. It's not like, oh, carbs are the devil and everything else is amazing. Don't be ridiculous. It all impacts, it all affects. So anyway, I hope that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. Let's move on to article three then. <clears throat> and I will also say, leave me on comments and questions, of course, again, in any of the places that I mentioned earlier, if you want to talk about any of these things, I would really appreciate it. We do have listeners of this podcast obviously and it is growing so thank you very much and if you're a new listener hello it is a growing listener base steadily each month and each month we're getting slowly more and more listeners more people are finding the show more people are liking it so please just feedback let me know what you think if you want me to make podcasts or talk to anyone specific or talk about any specific topics or talk to anyone about any specific thing good let me know, please feedback. If you get any articles as well, you can send them. You can, you know, if you get see anything cool in the news or anything you think, oh wow, this is crazy, or is this true or not, send it me in. Send it me in. Um, find me somewhere on the internet at Slum Society and just send me the link and say, hey, I thought you might like this for news of the week. Boom. I love you and I'll appreciate it. <clears throat> so. Article three, new research shows that cheat days might not be that bad. <laughs> uh, it's true, it's true, cheat days are not that bad. Firstly, I think calling it a cheat day is not great. I think that has perhaps negative connotations. Calling it a cheat day, this is insinuating that you are cheating on what? 
Cheating on your partner is never a good thing. <laughs> cheating on tests is not a cool thing. Is it? Cheating on your diet is also seen largely. The semantics of it, it even just sounds like it's a negative thing. I don't like that. I always try and frame things positively. Why would we make it seem negative when it isn't necessarily? New research, come on, shows that cheat days might not be that bad. Well, if it's not that bad, then why are we calling it a cheat day? It doesn't really make sense, does it, in my opinion? Calling it a cheat day as well, this has insinuations of being on or off the diet. Like, I'm on the diet, on the diet, on the diet, cheat day, on the diet, on the diet, on the diet, cheat day, cheat day, cheat day, cheat day, now you're off. <laughs> no, I'm back on. On the diet, on the diet, on the diet, cheat day, oh, cheat, ah, and then it just goes on and on and on. You're on, off, on, off, on, off. It's all or nothing. Oh, I'm really, I'm really strict. Oh, I need to cheat. Oh, I'm really strict. Oh, I need to cheat. I think we need to chill. <laughs> I think we need to chill. It's way too extreme. It's way too back and forth. We don't want all or nothing. All or nothing, I swear to you, ladies and gentlemen, gets you nothing. Because who do you know in life that's ever got all? Who do you know that got everything they ever wanted? No one. Did they know one? No one gets all. So if no one gets all, what does everybody get? Nothing. If you choose, so, oh, I'm an, I'm an all or nothing person. Yes, we all are naturally, okay. The that's how the human brain works. We naturally gravitate towards extremes. We're all like that. It's not just you. But that doesn't mean you have to just be like that. You can pretend you don't, you're never going to change and you're, you can never make any decisions. You don't have sovereignty of free will or intelligence or intellect to make informed choices. Yes, you do. So you might feel like naturally you want to be an all or nothing person, but we need to strive for balance with most things in life, don't we? If you if you are only allowing yourself to pick between all or nothing, you should expect, in most instances, to get nothing. So I don't want you to do that, ladies and gentlemen. That's not what I encourage, <clears throat> at least ever with the dieting, anyway. So I don't think calling it a cheat day is necessarily the best thing to do. But what are we, what are we talking about when we call it a cheat day? If you're thinking, what's a cheat day? Basically, it's a day, that's why it's a cheat day, where people just eat anything that they want that they're usually not allowed on their diet. Isn't it? Do I think this is bad? Eh, not necessarily. You can't really do much damage in one day. Overeating calories in one day is exactly as negative as undereating calories in one day is positive if you've got weight loss goals. You know, if you have a calorie deficit for one day, what does that do? <laughs> Literally, what does that do? Calorie deficit for one day. I'll tell you, not much. So what does calorie surplus, eating too much, cheat day, well, hey, fuck it, I don't even care. You know, any of that attitude of consumption of food in some way. What does that do? I'll tell you again, not much. <laughs> it takes three and a half thousand calories in a deficit under your maintenance level, under your metabolism level, three and a half calories, but half thousand calories burned or not eaten to lose one pound. And you have to eat three and a half thousand calories too many, not three and a half thousand total, three and a half thousand more than your body requires, which if you're a lady, I don't know, probably you require something like 1700 to 2000 per day. If you're a man, it's probably more like, I don't know, 1900 to 2500 or something, depending on how tall you are and what you do. Something like that. Um, you have to eat three and a half thousand calories more than that. Not necessarily in one day, but over time, you could eat a hundred over, you know, day after day after day after day after day, and then eventually it'd rack up to three and a half thousand, and then you would have put on one pound. Some days you might eat, or you could eat, what would it be? One thousand, <laughs> one thousand and some, let's say whatever, three thousand five hundred divided by three is bit less than 1,200 or something, yes, a bit less than 1,200 per day. You could eat that many calories, too, too many, 
over your maintenance or metabolism level three days in a row, then on, after the third day, you would have on average gained a pound. On the scale, it'd probably show more because you'd be bloated <laughs> from all this extra food, but you would have actually gained one pound of body fat on average. That's the way that it works. So imagine even if you did eat 5,500 calories or something like that in one day, really you'd only put on a pound. What's that gonna do? I mean, it's not crazy, is it? <clears throat> then you can get it back off. You can diet it back off. It's not the end of the world. It's the matter of a fact is that you are what you do most often. You are the average of your actions. It's everything that you've eaten that makes you the way that you are and the weight that you are, not what you did on one day. Like people say to me, oh, I'm worried about my holiday or I'm worried about this event. I'm like, you're thinking way too small perspective here. We need to be more macro with the perspective. We need to zoom out. Think about your entire food, food intake over time. It doesn't matter what you do on one weekend or at an event or even on a two week holiday. If you go on holiday for two weeks, but you eat well for the other 50 weeks in the year, do you think I care? <laughs> I think you're going to be excellently slim and you're going to achieve all your results and be really happy. <laughs> even if you eat as, eat as much as you can on holiday for two weeks and then be good and healthy, <laughs> try your best for the other 50. Come let me know how it goes. It will go flipping excellent. So it's never really about short time frames. It's not about what you do on a cheat day, really. Do I ever encourage cheat days though? No, I'll tell you that, no. I've never encouraged a cheat day in my life. There's no, there's no, no time I would ever encourage anyone for a full day to just forget about their healthy eating habits and just go consume as much junk food as possible, which is basically what cheat day insinuates, isn't it? A full day. Do, do I care if my clients eat one high calorie meal or one indulgent pleasure meal? Let's say a massive takeaway or a big dessert or something. No, of course not. I, I also do that. I do that at least once to twice a week. Eat something large and indulgent. Some indulgence of more than 1000 calories. <laughs> some massive pizza <clears throat> or an extremely awesome dessert gets consumed by me at least once to twice per week. I just... Eat, on average, eat three meals per day. There's seven days per week. That's 21 meals per week. Do you think if I eat one to two that are high calories and I eat flipping 19 or 20 of them that are low calories and good, then <laughs> what do you think my body fat level's like? Well, if you watch any of my video content, you'll see it's fine. Honestly, it's fine. <laughs> and yours will be fine too if you do the same. So do I encourage people to eat foods that they love? Yes. Do I, because if, if you don't, the diet will go worse, not better. Feelings of perceived restriction or of real restriction, I guess, will go up and up and up and up and up until eventually you snap and you'll just end up eating all of the poor food, all of the foods that you've been trying to uh, avoid. <clears throat> all of them and perhaps more sometimes for some people will be consumed and it just won't go well. This is just yo-yo dieting. It's what people do. They start a very extreme restrictive fad diet. Excuse me. <coughs> Trying to clear the throat, I start shouting. <laughs> um, when I'm on podcasts like this, maybe I should do some voice warming up. I've realized through podcasting like this that that's why singers in the back are doing those vocal warm ups, which I shall not attempt to replicate for your flipping <laughs> protection, not mine. But if you don't warm up your voice and then you just start. <coughs> shouting, things <laughs> things start getting cleared out of the old throat sometimes. So I really apologize. I do, I do start coughing sometimes if I start shouting and bawling about nutrition. <clears throat> so back on track then. Do I recommend cheat day, a full day of just eating all the crap in the world? No. Do I recommend cheat meal? 
I don't call it cheat meal and I don't want you to call it cheat meal. Do I, do I recommend that sometimes you just eat the things that you enjoy eating? Yes. Yes, I do. Do I think you're cheating on your diet when you do this? No. It's not a cheat meal, is it? Because <clears throat> you're allowed it. You can eat it. Literally, you're allowed it. No one's stopping you. It's fine. It's only one meal. I'm thinking macro perspective, and I hope you are too. I'm zoomed out on the perspective. I'm thinking about everything you're eating and doing over time and how this is impacting your body weight, health, and habits. Not what you're doing on one flipping Friday night. And oh, sorry, I ordered a kebab. But to be honest, I don't care. <laughs> it's, it's fine, honestly. It, what, what are you going to do right now, the next morning? Are you going to think, oh, well, I ordered a kebab last night, so I better have two bacon sandwiches or a Greg's this morning. And then, oh, it's a Saturday, so what can I do? And I'm out for drinks this evening, so I might as well start again on Monday. Well, if you're doing that, this is going down a negative spiral and pathway, isn't it? But if you just eat one kebab and then you say, hey, I've ate a kebab, if you check in with me on an evening, like, most of my members do most days. Hey, I've eaten a kebab, but tomorrow I'm going to get straight back on it. I'm going to say good. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for checking in. Have a good and healthy weekend. <laughs> That's literally what I'm going to say to you. So do I recommend you fit foods that you love into your diet? Yes, it's basically necessary. Otherwise, you're just going to restrict yourself fad diet style until eventually it explodes. You'll either burn out and explode before you achieve your goal or when you achieve your goal and experience one lick or sniff of freedom or of real food, then it'll go kaboom and you'll just gain all the weight back. Statistically, 90% of everybody gains back more weight than they lost on any fad style diet within two years after starting it. It's so any weight that you lose 90% of the time statistically on a fad diet, you're going to gain back more than that literally within two years. So this is one of the reasons for it. So I encourage people to fit foods that they like into their calorie intake anyway on a day-to-day -day basis. I encourage people to obviously try and eat a significant portion of their calories allocated to healthy food if they can. Try and eat healthy stuff sometimes, come on. But I also want people to eat the stuff that they like. I try not to interfere and change people's diets too much unless they specifically want to make quality and quality improvements or swaps and changes to the diet because they don't like what they're eating and they want to change, then of course I'll help them. But most people like what they're eating. That's why they eat that stuff. You know, the only thing they don't like is that it's too, that it's making them a higher body weight than they want to be. They like the foods that they're eating. That's why they eat them. It's just that the calories that are coming in from the foods that they like are too high and that's making their body weight too high. And then that's causing some sort of issue that they no longer want. So they don't really want to diet and they don't really want to change their food intake. They just want to lose some weight. And I don't really want to change their food intake that much either because they like it. And it's not, the, more, the more different we have to make the food intake to achieve the result, the less probability it's got of sticking because they don't eat like that already because that's not what works for them. They eat already what they like and what works for them. It's just not working out in terms of the body weight. So all we have to change is the calorie intake. So I try not to really, if I can, change people's... <clears throat> actual foods that they eat and the meals that they like and the foods that they have with their family and you know all this kind of, I try not to change that too much I try and just as easily and with as much finesse as possible alter the calorie intake of what they already eat so they can keep eating roughly the same stuff keep buying the foods from roughly the same places you can still order takeaways still have roughly the same meals with your family we just need to for the person who wants to lose weight adjust the calorie intake of that specific meal that they're having for them and there's millions of ways we can do this <clears throat> it's not that difficult it's actually the easiest form of dieting because you make the least changes and you get the maximum results we still control the correct variable and it goes really really well so i encourage people anyway Let's keep moving on the conversation because I've literally got to go soon. I encourage people to fit foods that they love into their diet. I also encourage people to, well, I was going to say I encourage people to overeat sometimes. I mean, I don't, but I do encourage people to 
let your hair down and indulge sometimes occasionally as long as most of the time you're eating healthy and you're still getting the result that you want which you can and you will then it's not causing an issue is it the other thing about cheat days I will say is that no, it doesn't boost your metabolism, which you might hear this sometimes. You might hear people saying, oh, I have to have cheat day because it like boosts my metabolism and it keeps me going. No, it doesn't. This has been studied literally in science. If you go over calorie maintenance on one day, this is only good for relieving psychological feelings of restriction. You know, a, what, a cheat day, one, one cheat day, this doesn't reduce your hunger levels the next day. Hunger hormones do not drop any with any significant amount. Um, it will reduce your cravings because you just ate all the crap that you possibly could and everything that you wanted. So your cravings, it will will, will go down. It will relieve psychological feel, perceived psychological feelings of restriction. But it won't make your hunger levels go down. Um, your energy levels probably won't get better the next day. Your <clears throat> Any metabolic adaptation or metabolic slowdown you're experiencing from dieting will not be corrected. It takes more than three days at calorie maintenance. Or calorie surplus, you could say yes, but preferably calorie maintenance, because if you're calorie surplus, if you're eating too much, then you're getting weight back. We don't necessarily want that, do we? Because we're on a flipping <clears throat> weight loss goals. We're on flipping weight loss goals here, so we don't want to be getting it back. But it takes three days or more really to start correcting um, negatives and hormonal changes and difficulties from diet fatigue that accumulate through the calorie deficit. Hope that makes sense. Hope that makes sense. All right then, last article, and I'll not go into this too much. I just thought it was an interesting topic of conversation. I'll leave you to think about this. There was an article entitled, Foods of the Future. What will we be eating in the future? Subtitle, what will we be eating in 50 years? <clears throat> Good question, isn't it? Obviously, I have no idea. My head is not a crystal bald, is it? I can't flip in rub it. It is shiny sometimes. I do apply coconut oil to it. That does not make it tell the future. Humans actually can't predict the future. So I actually don't know what we'll be eating in 50 years. If I had to guess, would it be a septuple cheeseburger at McDonald's? Will it be? I don't know, maybe note it down. <laughs> hopefully, we'll, hopefully we live long and prosper and we find out together. Because it started as the single cheeseburger, didn't it? Then it went to the double cheeseburger, I'm sure you remember, from the 99p menu, but soon moved up to being like flipping £1.29 or something, but it is what it is. Then they went to the triple cheeseburger. It's a real thing. It's a real thing, the triple cheeseburger. They're on the double quarter pounder as well. So are we going to be on the septuple cheeseburger and the... I don't know, quadruple quarter pounder? Maybe in 50 years? That'd be, <laughs> that'd be one bet. Or maybe it'll be space food. You know, like if you imagine stereotypical face, space food. <laughs> like you just press a button on a wall and some kind of meal comes out and it's got all the nutrients that you need. We kind of already do have that. It's called ready meals. What's the difference, literally? I mean, it doesn't come out of the wall necessarily, but you could have a fridge that did that if you really wanted to. Couldn't you? You could stock ready meals into a vending machine and then put it in the wall and then choose the selection and then this little package comes out and then you could either put it in a microwave. I suppose if you really wanted, you could get some kind of robotic arm to then take it from <laughs> the fridge and then put it in the microwave for you and then it would come out and then it's got what in it? Vegetables, meat, usually. When I used to work as a personal trainer, sometimes I would go to this little Tesco and they would do two for the price of one Tesco-like microwavable meals and there was one that had salmon fillet, green beans and new, new potatoes and I would get two of those. <laughs> they were only like four, 350 or something calories each so I would eat both of them get two salmon and it was only costing like two pounds or something and it took a couple of minutes in the micro or three pounds or something I can't remember 
And it took a couple of minutes in the microwave, which when you don't have a proper kitchen, you're just a personal trainer trying to eat fast. It was like the healthiest thing I could get in the easiest way, you know? What's the difference between that and space food, really? And what about meal replacements? Maybe it'll be meal replacements. Maybe you're thinking, oh, maybe we won't eat proper food. No, we will. People will still love it. <clears throat> People will still love eating food. It's wired into us, which I don't think that'll ever go away. But meal replacements are already a thing as well. You can already get like a Huel shake, can't you? And it's like, oh, it's got fiber and different types of protein and lots of your vitamins and minerals and you know, all this different type of stuff. Or you can make a smoothie, which would be even better with actual real good quality protein powder and then some fruit and even veggies if you're brave and you know how to make, make a smoothie with vegetables without making it taste horrendous. Which if you ever want to do anything like that, please follow a recipe online. Don't just start putting random fruits and vegetables into it and then think it's going to turn out nice because it's not. It's literally not. You're going to put way too much stuff into it and then it's not going to turn out good. <laughs> so follow recipes if you're trying to do anything like that. Um... So I don't know, to be honest, I don't know. We'll probably, you know, I was gonna say we'll probably have fake meat, but fake meat's already a thing. There's already Beyond Burgers as well, isn't there? We've already got stem cell meat as well, and it's cheap. You can buy you can buy steaks these days that have never even been a cow. This is literally real, Google it. Google something like stem cell steak, it'll come up, stem cell steak, mild tongue twister. They literally got skin cells from a cow, reverted it back into stem cells, and then grew those stem cells into muscle cells, and then made a steak that had never been a cow. No cows were harmed in the making of this steak. And due to apparently the electricity it costs to generate enough like power to grow that, which makes you wonder at the capabilities of the human body, doesn't it? Um, apparently the amount of electricity it cost to do that was very, very high. Um, and that made these steaks cost like hundreds of thousands of dollars, like maybe seven or eight years ago. Cause it's been a thing for a while, this. Now they're down to like, I don't know, $10 or something. I don't know whether they've got the process more efficient or whether they've, I don't know, got solar panels on the go or something for cheap lecky. I don't know. <clears throat> Maybe they're bypassing the grid. Maybe they're bodging it. I don't know what they're doing, but the price has gone way down now. And you can buy this. I've never tried it. Personally, I don't know anybody that's ever tried it. I don't know if it's available in England, but it's definitely available in the world. There's already like these fake vegan sort of burgers and sausages. In fact, I had Linda McCartney sausages last week and they were really nice. These new Lincolnshire variety ones. Um, so I'm not really a big pork fan and I just fancied something a little bit different and it was nice. So we've already got fake meats, we've already got science meat and there'll be more science farmed foods as well. Um, is it the Netherlands? Someone comment or teach me something. One of the countries in that region, I can't remember if it's the Netherlands, but it's gonna be somewhere like that, <clears throat> um, produces more food than they need for their country in these really efficient indoor, like stacked greenhouses where there's rows and rows and rows and stacks and stacks and stacks of growing different vegetables in these really extreme great conditions. Like I remember watching it, came up on a documentary at one, one time about this guy that grew like some obscene amount of lettuces in this giant like scientific green, some, some literally like a million lettuces a year or something obscene in this like not very large area, can't exactly can't describe to you how big it was, but it's a lot of lettuce, isn't it? It's a lot of lettuce. Um, 
So that'll increase more, especially as soil erosion um, and soil quality, soil erosion keeps getting worse and soil quality keeps getting worse. Um, they're starting to invent farms on roofs, aren't they? Because of space and starting to put green spaces on roofs in cities. So that'll become more of a thing. There's farms that float on water and tests for those things these days. There's underground farms for space as well. Um, you know, as we get higher population, we need to take more room up for living and we have less room for farms. So they're inventing more productful and less space requiring farming techniques and more efficient farming techniques. Um, and I don't know what it'll turn out like. I don't know what it'll turn out like. Maybe it won't change that much. How much has food changed in the last 50 years? I guess it has. I guess it has. But... I mean, they didn't have, there wasn't ready meals and takeaways, really, 50 years ago, you know, um, and there was less junk food around, but yeah, all the, all the old foods are, are still around. Like sourdough bread, which is now trendy, is the oldest form of bread ever discovered. It's been discovered in Pompeii, sourdough, <laughs> under the, under the lava after the explosion thousands and thousands of years ago. They were having rye sourdough. Not even kidding. <laughs> we still have that now. <laughs> we still like a good sourdough. It's all the same, isn't it? Meats, vegetables, fruits, it's normal. Uh, is the meat a bit more plentiful and juicy? Probably. Is the fruit bigger? Yep. Is, is the veg bigger and nicer? Yep, it is. Will it be more of that? I don't know. Do we have more space style foods already? We do. Don't we? We do. We do have meal replacements. We do have ready meals. It's basically space food already. Protein shakes and smoothies. It's as close as you can get. It's, you can get shots of nutrition. You can put protein powder and fruit and veg and fiber into a smoothie if you want. You know, blend it and drink it. And that's power of nutrition straight into your system for every single direction. Isn't it? That's as close to space food as you can get, really. It's got all your nutrients. So I don't know. What do you think? Again, leave me comments and questions. I do think going into the future that factory farming of animals will become a thing of the past and we will look at it as an abhorrent tragedy, like we look back, even though it still goes on now, to, to be fair today, but I was going to say human slavery, anything. Oh God, really? We used to do that? Awful. It's the most disgusting thing ever. I think we'll look back at um, factory farming the same. Um, it's kind of maybe been a necessary evil factory farming because human populations expanded rapidly and we've needed to feed everyone, haven't we? Uh, so what are the options? Either starve people or don't produce enough food for everyone. We don't want to do that. Or we factory farm, don't we? So we factory farmed, but now with fake meats and stem cell meats and less farming area required due to, like we said, these scientific greenhouses and stuff. I do think factory farming of animals, this is just my opinion, will become a thing of the past. And I don't agree with factory farming and I don't know really, well, I guess the people that do it and make money out of it agree with factory farming, but I don't really know anybody that likes factory farming. You know, I don't know if anybody, nobody thinks that's a good idea. Most people choose not to think about it because they know it's not nice. You know, there's just not really any other crazy major options that we can do at this minute in time to kind of get around it. But we're kind of trying to phase it out, aren't we? There's more sustainable farming methods coming. There's more conscientious thinkers. There's more people taking into account the feelings and lives of the animals and the environment and everything like this. And I am hopeful. I'm hopeful and I have faith in humanity and I have faith in science and I have love for people and I am on team people and I will do my best to help people in 50 years, how old will I be in 50 years? Oh, 
knocking on 80. <laughs> Um, I hope I'm still helping people losing weight. I hope I'm still alive in 50 years to find out. And I hope you are too. I hope you are too. So thank you so much. This has been News of the Week. I've got to go literally. I've got to be in my next meeting in five minutes, literally. So thank you so much. It's been great to speak to you. If you want help or if you want to find out who I am or you want help with your weight loss goals or weight management or anything, go to slumsociety.co.uk. See who I am and how I can help you. I really appreciate your time and listening to this podcast. Thank you so much. I'll speak to you again soon.